Alexi, Ash, and Chris, Phillips, Ball, Geddes, Mollett, Mike Fisher, Marion, Hosa, Martin, Havlat, Pizza Line, Ray, Emery, Brian, Murray, Redden, Lee, Cowan, Smith, Neil, Fatba, Guide, Walrus, Chara, Heatley, Alfie, all left the team, Andrew, Hammond, Kyle, Tursa, Benajat, Double D on Mark Stone, Carlson, Matt Duchesne, single, Hogberg, Shabbat, Chuck, Unparalleled Success. We didn't start the rebuild. It was always brewing since 2009. We didn't start the rebuild. No, we didn't start it, but this time we've got it. Welcome to the latest edition in the Canadian Division preview for the upcoming NHL season. I'm your host, Ryan Woods, and joining me today is Jeff Gould. How's it going, Jeff? It's going amazing. Good to see you, Ryan, and good to be here. Right on. I had an easy time coming up with some fans to uh, cover the Eastern Canadian teams. I've already got the Ottawa, Toronto, and Winnipeg episodes out there. But living in Ottawa, I don't know too many people who support the Western Canadian team. So to find a guest, I did what anybody else would do in the 21st century. I went on Facebook and made a post in a hockey Facebook group asking for people who supported the Canucks. And uh, I've seen your post in the group. You're quite the Canucks fan, so I'm happy to have you on the show. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you became a fan of the Canucks? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm actually living in Dallas, Texas, um, by way of Arizona, which is where I grew up. Um, I am a, a licensed chemical dependency counselor who is just now starting to do some very, um, I guess, innovative work in the traumatic brain injury space where uh, substance use and traumatic brain injury intersect. And so having a lot of fun with that. I was born in Los Angeles and raised in Arizona. Um, you know, I, I was a guy that had some struggles growing up and somebody took me to, it would have been about January of 2000. Someone took me to a division two hockey game. I've never been to hockey game. And, and it literally just kind of head over heels in love with the sport. And so having traveled two continents later, and I got about 110 jerseys in the closet and uh, have, uh, have uh, you know, been to maybe 11, 13, 14 NHL arenas, something like that, um, have just really grown to love the sport. I, I kind of been a closet. The thing about the United States is you can like whoever you want. You can live in Topeka, Kansas, and like the Pittsburgh Steelers, and many do, you know, and so, I, uh, it was it was kind of post West Coast Express, but pre 2011 Stanley Cup run with the Sedins, and I just liked the way the Twins played. I kind of liked the vibe and the energy coming out of the, that city. I frankly I liked and still do the politics surrounding the team coming out of the. And um, it was just a team I fell in love with, which was good because we've had some pretty hard years between 2011 and now, so it's not been a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, you know, one good year and all is forgiven, right? So it's, it's, uh, we're, I'm having a lot of fun, uh, watching Vancouver these days. Yeah. I bet because last year they were the top Canadian team in terms of playoff results. They were the only Canadian team to make it to the conference semifinals. So they, they pushed the Vegas Golden Knights to seven games, upset the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. So 
after like looking at the results from last season, do you think that raises expectations going into this year? You know, I think for the lukewarm or tepid hockey fan, it really, it really sets us up. So Ryan, I had, you know, in anticipation of this conversation, I sat down and looked at some numbers and overall in the last two years against all the Canadian teams, we are 13 and 19. Um, we've been miserable against Winnipeg. I mean, I don't remember the last time when we beat Winnipeg. Um, also, the Leafs kind of have our number. Um, I want to say Edmonton, we beat them four times. They beat us three times. Calgary's a four-to-four split in the last two years. And so the truth is, is if we went 500 in this season, and I don't know if that's good enough to make the playoffs, if we went 500 in this season, that means we would be much improved against the other Canadian teams. But will the fans in Vancouver see it that way? Probably not. Um, that's the truth. Probably not. I'll be excited. And so, you know, in anticipation for this interview, it's like, okay, so which Vancouver team are we talking about? Are we talking about the team in August that was just swinging for the fences every night? And, I mean, it was just – it was a beautiful thing to witness a team that had found their mojo and was just pushing forward and, and pushing forward. Or are we going to see the, you know, they're pretty marginal against other Canadian teams. They don't fare well against them. And Ryan, between you and I, I love it. This is like karate kid stuff. If you want to be a better team, hockey team, play the teams that have your number nine times. You may not make it in the playoffs, but you're going to have to learn how to play hockey. Right. So, uh, I don't mind the matchup at all. So, I love it. That's a great statistic that uh, not, nobody else would have known unless they were a Canucks fan. So that's exactly why I went out to get you to come on the show. And that definitely puts things in perspective with the Canadian division this year. Another interesting development for the Canucks this offseason involved like several unrestricted free agents signing with divisional rival Calgary Flames. How do you think that Jim Binning did in terms of replacing players like Markstrom, Tanev, Troy Stetcher, and Tyler Toffoli this offseason? Well, let's start from the back with Tyler Toffoli. You know, we lost a blue chip prospect, Tyler Madden, to pick him up. Um, and, and in truth, the reality of it was, it was like a new kid that gets a shiny new electric boy for Christmas and by December 28th, it's broken. I mean, he, it wasn't his fault. He's a great player. He was just injured, but he didn't, he didn't bring a lot. He was, he was added obviously at the deadline and then the season was shut down. So there wasn't much for him to add in the regular season. And then he was injured. I want to say in game two against Minnesota wild and didn't return. I, I'm kind of making this up. I feel like he didn't return until maybe game five or six of St. Louis maybe even later. So um, the fact that they added him, though, you know, there's kind of two lines of thinking around hockey and, and those that enjoy the game. I can see that the very pragmatic, logical, if you don't think you're good enough to win the cup, why are you adding rentals? I, I get that kind of thinking. But I look at those people like, do you even care about hockey? Do you even enjoy the game? You add rentals. So you can swing for the fences and go as hard as you can until your fortune's end. That's why you have the rentals, because we love hockey and we love to see it played on the ice and who knows what can happen. I don't mind the, the swap 
for in theory that we gave up a Tyler Madden to see, you know, we entered a tournament with 24 teams and, and it was just like, let's give it a go and see what happens. So I don't know. That was a bitter pill when he wasn't replaced. But waste, waiting in the wings, we had um, Vasily Podkolzin. I want to make sure I pronounce that right. Nils Hoglander, which I'm wearing his jersey right now, as a matter of fact. So, um, so that was good. You know, Stetcher. Hmm, Stetcher wasn't a bad player. I'm gonna. I, I'll, I'll throw out some stats. So if I'm going to weigh Stetcher against his replacement, would potentially be Ollie Ulevi, who's been buried with injuries. He, really, he was our, he was our, what, he was drafted like third, I want to say, in 2014, 15, somewhere in there. And he's been like, we were on the verge of just saying it hasn't panned out. So Ulevi in a 45-game stretch had two goals and 23 assists and was a minus eight. Um and had uh, 24, 24 penalty minutes, whereas Stetcher, in a bigger sample size, 68 games, had five goals and 12 assists and was a plus 10. When I saw the plus 10, I was pretty surprised. I was like, actually, Stetcher was like, he really carried the blue line there as opposed to the minus eight. But what I think I get out of Yolevi's numbers is with all those assists, he's a good first pass out of the zone. And if he gets buried in his own zone, he's probably going to cough up the puck and they're going to score a goal. That's what I, I mean, that's what I make up about those numbers of him playing in the Utica. So um, that was maybe a step back. And then I look at Tanev, two goals, 18 assists, plus four, uh, weight against Schmidt, who had seven goals, 24 assists, and was a plus 11, whose uh, overall shot percentage was 6.3. And so, you know, Tanev was a... Tanev was a stay-at-home guy that didn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, I, I really liked him as a player. We had brought him up. We had brought him up from the Moose in 2011. I think some of his first hockey he really played in Vancouver, he got brought up to replace, I want to say, Christian Erhoff in the Bruins series. So he had been around for a while. Not a flashy guy, but there wasn't a lot of things he did wrong. Uh, what I like about the addition of Schmidt is, um, you know, Travis Green is very much about activating that defense and getting them up into the rush. And Schmidt's a gamer. He's that guy. He he is that guy that's going into that system and work well. I mean, how many times last year did we see a Quinn Hughes doing a coast-to-coast -coast? like the forwards were hanging back on the blue line and letting the defenseman take the rush and kind of mixing it up like that. So, you know, that said, and and Markstrom, we had to let – if we didn't let Markstrom go, we were going to lose Demko to Seattle. And so um, what a what a player he was. He was amazing. But from a general manager perspective, it was necessary. So, um, you know, before we had added uh, – before we had added Schmidt and before we had taken on Hamannick, he really looked like a disaster. It was like, oh, my God, what did we just do? We took four steps back. But – I would say um, we're a little bit improved, right? And then um, I, I guess I could wait for you to ask about him, but or I could tell you about him. I left. Uh, I've, I've traveled across the country to go see Vancouver play a number of times and followed them on a bunch of road games. But on one of those stops, I, I stopped up in Rochester to see the Americans play Utica, and I'd really gone to see Demko, and I'd gone to see 
Jordan Saban at the time, who I didn't know was a healthy scratch. He was already kind of being, you know, he was already he was already a healthy scratch. But but Demko was so poised and so controlled, and they were buzzing his net and hacking it, and you know, hacking away at his trying to, you know, push it past him. And uh, and he just had this element of poise and control. I mean, you know, he's a Southern market guy. He's a Southern California, San Diego, as it were. And so um, his sample size NHL when he was thrown in for Markstrom wasn't great. Um, regular season, I think he was 18 and 13 uh, with a 302 and a 906 save percentage as opposed to that 9.85 or uh, 0.985 save percentage we saw in the playoffs. So, again, it's like, which one's the real guy? Is he the marginal backup goal regular season, or is he potentially the lights-out guy? And that'll be interesting to see. Um, and then, of course, we added, um, I was going to say, Backstrom. And that, who's the other goalie we added from Washington? I'm kind of blanking on this. Braden Holby. Thank you. Overall, his numbers are pretty pedestrian. I, I was actually surprised. I don't remember, and I didn't write them down, but I looked at his career numbers overall. Pretty pedestrian goalie was obviously flashes of brilliance. I mean, he's won a Stanley Cup, but I think he was also put in there as that protection. The Seattle Kraken coming into the league next year kind of threw a twist. And anyone with, with some some intelligence built their roster around the fact that they had to leave somebody. And I think Jim Benning did that masterfully. So. If we go ahead and take a peek at the lines for um, Friday night for Group A, you mentioned that uh, Travis Green is a little bit secretive with his line combination so far in training camp, but this is a pretty good representation of what I think we can expect for tomorrow night against the Oilers. Uh, what do you like uh, and dislike about this lineup? You know, um, I love that top line. JT Miller, what a gamer. I mean, like, who knew? His his next best season, he got 56 points as a New York Ranger in uh, 16. And then he had been, I think he had been misdeployed in Tampa, which is a team that was loaded with talent. And so nobody really knew what JT Miller was until he got to Vancouver. And, you know, I'm kind of, I'm sure everyone that really follows hockey know what a story that is. He loves playing there. I love that he's on the line with those two young guys. I think that's a great fit. Um, You know, going on, Nils Hoglander, I really like that he's riding shotgun with Horvat. Um, I had to go back and look at some highlights uh, before this podcast. And I, it was interesting to watch. Rarely does he skate at a 90 degree angle standing straight up like, like I might or like you might. I felt like I was watching a downhill Olympic snow skier watching him skate. He was just always pivoting and cutting and cutting back and forth at these really harsh angles while really he's really something to see and so he here you know we had talked um online and he had done a couple of michigans and he likes to do that fancy stuff that's going to draw the eye of your opponents um i'm going to say vancouver's probably um 
one of the lighter teams in the league in the Canadian division. And so people are going to be pounding on him a lot and people are going to make him a target for that reason. I like that he's playing. necessarily a fighter but he will stick up for his guys and um he's just an all-around meat and potatoes player and i think to have him in kind of that stable of uh, uh horvat and pearson are definitely bigger guys so i like that line combo uh, the one inaccuracy louis erickson has been waived um so he's no longer there and then you know we saw some flashes of Hannah may never pan out to be what he was projected to be. I believe he was the first-round pick. Uh, but he makes a great third-liner. Um, I think he could grow into his – I really like his instincts. I always have. I don't remember if anyone saw. I think it, there was a Penticton tournament where he buried Connor McDavid. I mean, and and, taught, and just looked at him and said, keep your head up, dude. And, uh, you know, he, he had actually put somebody's head into the stanchion his first year and we and we saw no more of Jake for a while. He was down in Utica after that. But I really like his instincts and I thought they've tried to um pull too much of that back, not to get him to take bad penalties. And I think he kind of forgot who he was and, and what he was, right? Like he's a heavy hitting, hard hitting player that's trying to adapt to how they want him to play. I really like him. You know, he's um he's kind of um not very well liked among the Vancouver faithful. Uh, Tyler Mott was another one. I mean, I he was the hero for a night in what was it? I want to say it was game six against Lewis where he got the opening and the closing goal. One of them was on a penalty kill, and he just cut through traffic and made it. He made it. He was like Sidney Crosby for about 10 seconds, maybe six seconds, and he made it look so easy. And so uh, – I like our third and fourth lines. I like Zach McEwen. Uh, we're going to need him a lot. I think Vancouver is going to get pushed around a lot um, this season. And so McEwen's good. Roussel's okay. He does a lot of – kind of does some stupid stuff sometimes. But uh, Roussel is Alex Burroughs 2.0. Let's just call him what he is. Um, not not quite as slick on, in goal scoring as Burroughs was. But, um, yeah, I like – I mean, I like the roster. I think, I think we're one or two pieces away from being what the Avalanche is now in about three years. And uh, as soon as we get out of this cap free capture penalty with Luongo, Louis Erickson's been way down. His salary's still on the books, and so you know Vancouver is a team uh, that'll spend to the cap. And as soon as we get that little bit of money back, um, add Vasily Pod. I'm not going to pronounce his name right. Uh, when Vasily comes over from the KHL, I think we're going to be, I think we'll be rolling for some time to come. So, Right on. Uh, I wanted to ask you about 2019 Calder Trophy winner, Elias Patterson, as he's entering the final year of his entry-level contract. What do you think that this young elite player can continue to do to develop this season? And are you at all worried about what his uh, next contract might look like? Well, he is going to get paid, isn't he? Say in the not anything less than the nine million range is unreasonable. Um, when we put out those reverse retro jerseys, you know, obviously him being the star player had kind of modeled the jersey, and uh, you can tell where Elias Patterson is at in his gym routine by looking at his neck, quite frankly, and he didn't look like. 
I mean, he looked like a 15-year-old kid. Now I think he kind of looks, he's kind of growing into his body and looks more like an 18-year-old kid. But he had been asked, I think it was on the Chicklets podcast about, you know, people are saying, well, are you, what are you doing to work out? He's like, I've worked out my whole life. He was just a small guy. But I, I think he'll continue to take uh, massive steps forward. You know, I don't think people really understand um, how talented he, you know, the guy can ride a unicycle and juggle for crying out loud at the same time. Like that's kind of, that's kind of unbelievable. Just his hand eye coordination and everything else. So I think he'll take a couple more steps forward. Um, yeah. And going on to the coaching staff, Travis Green is entering his fourth year as head coach in Vancouver, and he's had a way of continuing to advance this team and improve this team as they were a basement team his first year, and then they were a 500 team his second year, and then of course last year able to get into the playoffs and cause some damage in the playoffs. What do you think that he is able to do that he brings to the table in Vancouver that's made him a successful coach so far? Well, I'm glad you asked that. So rewinding the tape about eight years, I was convinced uh, Willie Desjardins, before he was a hockey coach, he was a social worker. This guy, this guy got his master's in social work, which basically means he's a people person. His whole, his whole entire course of study was to get inside people's head and, and see how he can help them. I say that in a very general way. I don't know what, what, what his specificity was or what certifications he carried after that. And so I was so sure that he was going to be uh, great with the guys. And, you know, it just never panned out. I remember he may have had, we had had, I at one time it was like 50 games into the season. He had had 36 too many men penalties on the ice. Good grief. What is going on on that? That might be a, a world's record of too many men penalties on the ice in a single season. And, and then obviously, Barella, there were some dark days, but I knew uh, Willie, I knew, excuse me, Travis Green was the real deal. I had gone up to see uh, Vancouver play Buffalo and they were playing Boston two nights later. And um, it, Boston had their number that game. It was a 5-2 game. The thing I loved that I saw about Vancouver, which was so indicative of uh, Travis Green, the way he coaches that team, is their their intensity and their fire was up there until the clock ran out. They were playing as hard in the last five minutes as they were playing in the first five minutes. They were trying to win that game at five to two. And I, I don't think Travis lets his guys off the hook. And I don't think um, there's a lot of quit right now in them, which is opposed to remember John Tortorella, uh, one of one of his press statements when he, when he had met with the Sedins and Edler and BX and so on and so forth, he had said the core of this team is stale. There's nothing here to work with, right? And so again, we had had that um, we had had that team in those 15, 16, 17 years that let's tell the truth, they quit on the play quite often, or just you know, it was just another every game felt like another Tuesday night game, and they were trying to play defensive hockey, and there 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 wasn't. I don't mind losing as a Vancouver fan. I don't mind losing as a hockey fan. But good God, put your heart into it. But play like you're there to play. You know that that, and that's what we've seen for four years now from Travis Green. As we've seen, they may not always win, 
but they play like they came to win more often than not. And, and we had not seen a lot of that in the three or four years prior to that. So I love that. I'm loving this Vancouver team. I'm a big fan of Travis Green. Vancouver is a city with, from what I can tell, with huge expectations that, you know, just based on that little bit of hockey, they think we're a Stanley Cup contender and, and we better have, you know, we better be lights out this season. That's just not the reality of anything. But they're a very good team with a lot to build with, with a great coach as far as I'm concerned. So, If we go ahead and look at the standings from last year, it's not uh, points because, of course, everybody finished with an odd number of games but we see Vancouver at the top of, like, right in the middle there with a clump of Western Canadian teams. And, of course, it's been so long since last season, so it's hard to read too much into this. But we do know it's going to be a tough division. And like you said, Vancouver historically has struggled against Canadian teams. Where do you see Vancouver finishing in the standings this year? So I'll say this. Um... They're the biggest question mark of the seven to me. Uh, you know, I've talked with a couple other guys about it. I think more than any other division, most of these teams are probably going to be separated by a point or two, right? I, I think there's going to be a lot of teams in the thick of it. I could see them at the top. I could all, I'm also a realist, and I could see them at sixth or seventh. But uh, as a fan, I'm never going to bet against my team. So I see them finishing at second, just from a fandom. Uh, not not from a logic perspective, from a fandom perspective, I, I hope and think they may finish as high as second. So, If you had to pick three teams that are going to miss the playoffs this year, if you had to pick who is going to fifth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, who do you think is going to not qualify for the playoffs out of the Canadian teams? No. You're t so you're an Ottawa fan which intrigues me. I remember when I moved to Dallas, Dallas was like, they were like the streakiest team in the league where on any given night, they were like just torching teams six to one or being beaten five to one. I feel like Ottawa is going to be that team this year. I feel like uh, they've got a, a new roster, a bunch of young guys. I think they're really excited. I love, I had wished they, they had brought, Zadino Chara on and I think that the, the symbology of that would have been powerful to where like the old jerseys back and we brought the big man back and like and we're back and we're playing real hockey for real this time so they intrigued me I don't want to rule them out most people would I don't want to rule them out ah god it's it's just shaking up the snow globe and seeing where they land huh I think Winnipeg could drift down near the bottom, perhaps. Uh, I think Calgary could, and I want to say Ottawa could. I also think Montreal could. Um, we all know that Toronto's, you know, built for the regular season. They'll do well. That, that That's not the question. The question is, what are they going to do after? So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'm just going to play. I'll say Montreal, Ottawa, and Winnipeg sort of float down near the bottom. But I'll say they, they won't be separated by many points at all. So, Right on. And final question for you. If you had to make your early preseason Stanley Cup prediction, who would you take? You know, the, the, the safe bet is Colorado, right? But, I mean, this is like, that's boring, right? Nobody... 
nobody brought me on here to make the safe play. So I'll say, uh, hmm. I'll just shake up the I'll just shake up the puzzle. I'll say Carolina goes all the way. Sure, why not? That's a good pick. I love their team. I love Vancouver's young team. They've got a lot of young players that I'm excited to watch this year, and I hope that you enjoy watching them continue to develop as well. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show, and enjoy the opener tomorrow night versus Edmonton. Oh, Ryan, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Jeff for coming on the show. You did a fantastic job teeing up the season for the Vancouver Canucks. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, feel free to like, leave a comment, or subscribe, and tune in for the next episode as I'll have Justin Allery on the show to preview the season for the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs>